When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the 415ers. We have only one subject every time, all the time. Your San Francisco 49ers. I don't know the facts. News, analysis, and a whole lot more. From lifelong San Francisco residents, oh, what a bonanza. Your hosts, Bonte Hill and Joe Shasky. Well, what do you know? What do you know? Just in case you couldn't get enough of Shasky and Bonte, well, guess what? We're back in your face with the introduction and the inaugural 415ers podcast that you can check out on the Odyssey app. Subscribe to the 415ers podcast uh, on the Odyssey app. And, of course, the 415ers podcast feed. You want to do that as well. Look, we had overtime back in the day. We're moving on. We, we're, we're, tur- we're turning the page here. It's a whole new chapter of 49ers podcasting with Joe Shaska, the Butcher, and Bonte Hill. And, yes, we just got off the air with the morning roast. We know it's Warrior season, but we do need our 49er fix. And there's a lot of there's a lot going on with the 49ers. I mean, Bonte. It is just night and day, man. But we finally have clarity with Debo Samuel because he's following the Niners head on Instagram. <laughs> Yay! He's still a Niner. This has been one of the weirdest off seasons I can remember. Like the first time in my adult life as a 49er fan, I couldn't care about the draft any less. Like I literally couldn't care about the draft. And normally it's one of the things I get most fired up about during the season. Think about where we were at the end of January on the doorstep of the Super Bowl with Debo Samuel carrying this team as far as he possibly could with, you know, at times good quarterback play in the late in the season with with Trey coming in in the Texans game and Jimmy maybe having his greatest week ever against the Rams in the second half and then not doing anything from the quarterback position for almost three full playoff games. Debo was the guy who carried them. And then to have all this offseason drama, Jimmy goes through the shoulder surgery. He's now untradeable. (laughs) And now they're stuck with him. And then the Debo saga, the draft felt like an afterthought for me. So I know everyone's rolling their eyes. Debo's following the Niners. This is the most important player on the offense right now for me. Right, yeah, Debo Samuel, of course. We heard all kind of rumors. He didn't get enough money. He didn't like the contract offer. We heard that it wasn't about money, that it was deeper than that. And, you know, he wanted to be traded. He demanded a trade, according to ESPN's Jeff Darlington. And draft day, the only suspense for 49er fans was whether or not he's going to get traded. And the New York Jets apparently offered the number 10 overall pick, which they sent to Garrett Wilson with, the young man out of Ohio State to play wide receiver, we thought, man, the 49ers are really going to listen to trade offers. And apparently they wanted the Kings ransom, and they, as they should. Debo Samuel was the first player in NFL history to have over 1,500 yards receiving and 500 yards rushing. We heard that Debo didn't want to run the football anymore. Well, the Niners decided to take a running back in the third round out of LSU that we'll get to in a little bit later. So I don't know what the situation was. Debo singing songs on Instagram. He's on following the 49ers. He's tweeting nonstop. Did you have Odell Beckham Jr. tweeting on his behalf? which really got weird. But that was odd. Are, that was very odd. You don't want Odell Beckham Jr. speaking for you. But here we are on May 6th, recording the 
Forward Vibers podcast. And Debo Samuel still a 49er, and he's following the 49ers again on Instagram. So as long as Debo Samuel is there week number one as a yeah. 49er wearing number 19, I could care less about all this stuff. But things got a little dicey there with Debo. It felt like that a move could have been made by the 49ers. You know, it, I, I've heard all the economists tell me, oh, wide receiver's not worth X or Y or Z, or this guy got this. A.J. Brown got $100 million and $50 million guaranteed, and you can't give Debo that kind of money. When you draft a guy in the second round, you want to get married to him. When you get the production that they've gotten from Debo Samuel out of it, that's a game changer on your offense. And I just look at it from this standpoint. When I look at Trey Lance and what's going to give him the best possibility to reach full maturation, that has Debo Samuel involved in it. You have to have him and Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Trent Williams in a good offensive line. All of those things are going to make the job of the quarterback that much easier. And so when you've built this organization around trading multiple picks to go up and select Trey Lance as high as you did, surrendering right. more ammunition than this organization's ever done in any trade, you have to put that guy in a position to succeed. So whether it's a one-year deal right now because he's got the, the fourth year, the final year of his contract, and then they have the franchise tag in their back pocket, whether they can extend him or not, for 2022, they are better with Debo Samuel on the field so that Trey Lance can have a fighter's chance to be a good quarterback. Yeah, it was imperative that the 49ers made amends or made amends with Debo Samuel here moving forward because you're right. I mean – Look, Debo Samuel, we know how effective he was last year. He was their offense, especially in the postseason. You think of the yeah. Dallas Cowboys game. After the interception by Kwal Williams, Debo Samuel yelling at Shanahan, get me the football. And what does he do <laughs> on the first play? He takes the football. It goes in unscored. Mm-hmm. They're happy going crazy at Jerry's Palace down in Dallas, Texas. Green Bay game. I need a first down. Debo yeah. Samuel's in the backfield, third and seven. Boom, Debo Samuel gets you a tough, tough, First down in the snow gets the LA Rams. Debo Samuel, we need to get him to rock somehow. What does he do? He scores a touchdown. I had that place off the chain at SoFi Stadium. So Debo Samuel, and you look at all the Super Bowl teams too, Shasky. The Rams have multiple weapons. The Bengals yeah. have multiple weapons, whether it's Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, or mm-hmm. Joe Mixon, multiple weapons. The year before Tampa Bay, multiple weapons. Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin. I mean, you had a plethora of weapons. The Kansas City Chiefs, we knew about Tyreek Evans, excuse me, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and their running back situation and Pringle. And what they had weapons everywhere. Nicole Hardman. Weapons. McCall Hardman, yeah. that young man out of Georgia. Having Debo Samuel alongside George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, oh, who's a budding superstar, all the one-on-one Debo sees. You want to double Debo? Well, guess what? George Kittle's running down the seam. You want to double George Kittle? Well, guess what? Debo Samuel running one-on-one. Oh, if you want to double both those guys, well, I got Brandon Ayuk on the backside running deep post or comeback routes. So having Debo alongside, and not to mention Jawan Jennings. I love yeah. this kid right out of SMU, which we'll get to in a second. You need all the weapons you can have for a second-year quarterback in Trey Lance. You want to make life as easy as possible for him. Give him the playmakers. He has a running back tandem mm-hmm. in the backfield with a use check. And, of course, Elijah Mitchell back there. So Trey Lance needs all the help he can get and have a Debo. Like trading away Debo Samuel just for a second. We thought the Buckner trade was bad PR for the 49ers, <laughs> right? Remember, we all remember where we were when Buckner got traded to the coach. Trading Debo Samuel. After the season that he had, uh-huh. would have been 
devastating to this franchise. Absolutely devastating because already in his three years in the NFL, Debo Samuel's become a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. We're already hitting him with some of the greatest receivers of all time in 49ers history. Debo is one of us, and he's so unique that if he would have been traded after the Jimmy Garoppolo shenanigans that we'll get out with him, this fan base would have been broken, Chasky. There's no doubt. I mean, look, the guy came out with a boombox with Trent Williams and every single 49er fan downloaded Kodak Black's entire album, his entire catalog after that one. I mean, Super Gremlin was played nonstop. I think the 49er fans alone made a million bucks for Kodak Black off that one song. And that's because of Debo Samuel. So, look, here's the other thing. You talked about use check and Kittle. We all know, Niner fans know, they give you a schematic advantage as a play caller when you're Kyle Shanahan because are you going to run the ball down a team's throat or are you going to run that play action? Well, now if you wrinkle in Debo Samuel on the jet sweeps, putting him in the backfield, think of all of the schematic advantages now you have with this weaponry. And then you add in the element that we really didn't see for final eight, nine weeks, which is that stretch boot, which I expect them to to bring back into the fold with Trey Lance, it's options galore. I think you're putting tremendous pressure on a defense to try to account for all the weapons. And again, it goes back to Trey Lance. It makes his job easier when you have all of these pieces and these chess spots on the board because you're making defenses account for that. Well, well you're, you're spot on with that with the with the boot game because, I look, we had Mike, Michael Lombardi on the morning roast not too long ago, and he was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, the play-action pass to the boot game. I didn't see much of that. No. I saw a lot of it with Trey Lance starting in the first preseason game against Kansas City when he hit Prince Shirtfield when he goes to the left hash on the boot and throws it all the way back to the right side of the football field for an 81-yard touchdown. We saw Trey Lance roll out when he hit Debo Samuel deep down the football field against the Houston Texans in a game the Niners had to win. Trey Lance is going to be special, and he's more pocket quarterback than running quarterback. I think we learned that early and often last season with Trey Lance. But then you also think about Debo Samuel, all the routes he can run, the jet sweep stuff. But the money, that's the next element to mm-hmm. the situation. Now, the fact that he's following the 49ers uh, on Instagram, it bodes well, I think, in today's day and age. Everybody loves social media. These players, we all have to adjust to it. What they do on social media is a reflection of how yeah. they're feeling about certain things. It's been proven time and time again over the last five years. The money for Debo Samuel. We saw A.J. Brown traded on draft day. I thought the Titans panicked. It traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles. Now, the Eagles turn around an hour later, give A.J. Brown a four-year, $100 million deal with $57 million guaranteed. What is appropriate for Debo Samuel? Is that the benchmark for Debo? Four years, $100 million, 57 guaranteed? Where are we at in terms of money when it comes to Debo Samuel? To me, he's in that ballpark, right? I mean, you want to say he's a couple million over, a couple million less? Like, okay, as long as they're all in the same ballpark, that's the key for me because you you can't be, hey, we're talking 50. No, 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 we're actually talking $30 million guaranteed. That's 20 million off. That, to me, means, you know, you're probably not going to be able to find a happy middle ground. If we're a couple million off in either direction, it feels like a deal can get done. Here's what I would say. I don't know what the financial specifics are. The A.J. Brown deal, whether you think A.J.'s a better wide receiver or Debo's a better football player, we can all admit we're splitting hairs here. They're both very, very, very good players, and they're very comparable to one another. So I feel like the money should all be in the same thing. I'm just looking at it from the 49ers' perspective. I think publicly, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Publicly, 
I feel like they've done a pretty good job navigating the situation, not panicking, not saying anything specific, whether it's Lynch or Shanahan, to alienate the player. This is the natural progression of negotiations. And I do believe Debo Samuels camp, to some degree, is a little impatient. And I understand why they are because of the physical style that he plays. But isn't this kind of part of the give and take of a, of a negotiation? So, like, yeah. I know we're losing our minds, but I actually kind of – I'm kind of happy with how the organization has put their foot down and said, no, 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 we're going to get a deal done. We're not right. going to do it on your timeline. We're going to find a way to do this. And we're not trading you away. No, I, I think John Lynch not saying anything the week of the draft about the mm. Samuel situation helped. Kyle Shanahan during the draft speaking to the media saying, hey, look, I know Debo well. I haven't talked to him in more than two weeks. I haven't talked to him much this offseason. Yeah. But we'll be fine once we get into the same room. And you think about George Kittle, Fred Water Jr., they all signed their deals in August when they got back to training camp. So it's just about getting Debo back mm. in California, back to Santa Clara, back inside of 4949, 80 DeBartolo way, and, and working out the contract and working out the deal and making amends because Debo's important to the 49ers, but the 49ers are also important to Debo. My question was like, Debo, you're playing under Kyle Shanahan, one of the brightest minds in all mm. of football. Life is going to be easy for you. And without Garoppolo, it's going to get easier for you. You mm -hmm. don't have to do all the jet sweep stuff. You don't need to be in the backfield every single play to try to make a play. And you can run deep shots. You're going to get opportunities deep down the field to make numerous plays well, for these offense. Two of the bigger plays for Debo Samuel this year, one where the ball traveled the farthest on any pass that he was completed to was in the Texans game on that deep uh, boot action that you referenced earlier. The second one was on that broken kind of scramble play where no one was guarding Debo, and boom, Trey Lance hits him over the top in the Seattle game, and he runs for another 50 yards. That's going to make his job a lot easier than those slant five-yard passes across the middle into congested windows where he has to take a hit and then run past a bunch of guys those are much harder and i think that also the those particular plays factor in to the amount of drops he had last year because a lot of people were kind of diluting his importance because of the drops the catch difficulty yeah well the catch difficulty catch it behind your back it's ridiculous uh, with Jimmy yeah with a linebacker squaring you up we, we all cited the numbers of all the receivers who dropped yeah. passes. a lot of them were the greatest players in the league yeah. Dropping passes. Devontae Jamar Chase. Jamar yep. Chase. Remember that was the biggest thing going into, uh, into the regular season with Jamar Chase? Oh, man, he can't catch football. And Jamar <laughs> was like, yeah, it's different. You know, they had the stripes in college, and I'm not used to the laces. Well, you know what? He got accustomed to the laces real quick. In yeah, the NFL. Jamar Chase had one of the greatest rookie seasons we've ever seen in the NFL. So the whole, oh, Debo dropped 12 passes. Well, he also received over 1,500 yards, and he yeah. rushed for another 500. And he was the offense in the postseason. Mm -hmm. So Debo Samuel will be fine. I think to your point about the contract, 57 million. We're splitting hairs here. Give four years, 90 million, four years, 100 million. The cap is going to go up. Exactly. Uh, it's going to explode, well, explode. And you have Trey Lance on this rookie deal to yeah. where you have the wiggle room to make something happen. I don't want Debo to lose because, again, it would have been devastating to trade him with this fan base because he's a Niner. He is yeah. homegrown. And mm -hmm. we've been dying for a wide receiver that has been picked in the draft to blossom like Jerry Rice, to blossom like Terrell Owens. We were disappointed with Crabtree. Let's be honest here. The Crabtree experiment. One good year. It's okay. One year of a thousand yards. And now yeah. you can blame that on a quarterback. You can blame that on an offense. 
But let's be honest, the Crabtree tenure was underwhelming. I agree. Bolden yeah. maybe had more of an impact no, on the than Crabtree. We've been Bolden. dying for a wide receiver to blossom as a draft pick. And Debo Samuel is a second-round draft pick who we all wanted out here. A lot of people, we argue back and forth about DK and Debo. We end up seeing Debo Samuel. He is a 49er. This guy needs to retire a 49er, yeah. Shazzy. I'm, I'm with you. And you referenced uh, you know, Anquan Bolden. He's the only wide receiver – that the 49ers have had wide receiver to go thousand yards back to back seasons since TO. And then on the drop thing, one last little cherry on the top of this Sunday. TO was once told that he couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> Jerry Rice was told he couldn't catch the ball. I remember TO had a famous line to one of the beat writers, and he said, Yeah, you know, TO, they say that you can't catch the ball. You know what I said? Well, I did catch a flight to Honolulu, and that's the Pro Bowl. <laughs> that was one of the greatest slides. Ever <laughs> of all time, flights to Honolulu for it's the so throw ball, that and that's picture. and that's Debo Samuel. Like, yeah. look, you're gonna drop the ball here and there, like that. That does happen, and I expect him to clean that up. But I go back to degree of difficulty. He's going over the middle, getting sandwiched, reaching back. Every guy is gonna have a drop here and there. That's yeah. what separates the Larry Fitzgeralds from just the really, really, really good guys. Like that happens, but. He more than makes up for it in the yards after catch. I mean, it's tough when you're catching medicine balls from a quarterback right <laughs> over the middle of the field. You're getting decapitated. All right. Uh, it's the 415ers podcast. Joe Shasky, Butcher, and Bronte Hill. Our initial podcast here, our pilot episode of the 415ers. Subscribe on the 415ers podcast feed. Go to the Odyssey app. Download this bad boy. We're going to be with you all year long. Mm. A lot of good stuff here. We'll get some players on this podcast. We'll have some guests, some bloggers. Nice podcasters is going to be a lot of fun on the 415ers we're going to miss the warrior season playoff basketball of course takes precedent over anything takes precedent over anything out there including giants baseball but got to get our 49er fix here including the draft that was a little lukewarm if you're a 49er fan because they didn't have they didn't have they didn't have a first round pick after they traded all the assets to get trey lance but this regime john lynch the gm Mm -hmm. and of course adam peters his assistant, they do great in the middle rounds of the NFL draft. Yeah. So I wasn't too concerned about that. And day two, when the Niners got on the clock for number 61 overall, they took a D lineman in Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson, USC, who's a pass rush specialist. And the tape looks good. But I'm more excited about the fact that he gets to learn from defensive line coach yeah. Chris Kosarek. And I believe he's going to bring the best out of them. Again, the Niners, they know what they know what they know what they want. They know their identity. It's bully ball. Yeah, dominate the trenches. We're gonna get at their quarterback. We're gonna stop the run, and we're gonna play bully ball. And they're built to win in the postseason. And that started with Drake Jackson uh, out of USC. What do you like about Drake Jackson so far? The bendability, number one, the burst. I mean, he looks like he's got long arms. Which look, comparing anyone to Alden Smith, you know, is is a fool's errand. I mean, that guy was a special comment and a freak athlete, but. When you wear 99 and you come around the bend and you got the long arms that go down below your kneecaps, I'm going to start thinking of Alden because that's how great he was as a pass rusher. Now, I don't think that this is what this guy's going to be, but he's going to benefit from a lot of single coverage. Yeah, 6'2", 254 coming off the edge. And I know you had some buddies text you about Drake Jackson. Yeah. We both have friends from Big USC uh, fans. USC, and you mentioned this to me, Shasky, that he just wasn't coached up. And we mm-hmm. knew who the coach was at USC. It was Clay Helton, a guy who should have been fired from that yes. job three years ago. So you're mm-hmm. not getting the best coaching. The program's in shambles. It's an absolute mess. You're not playing for anything. The conference is down, but he gets to come up to Northern California, 
number 61 overall, mm -hmm. and play opposite of Nick Bosa. So talk about that's easy for Debo Samuel. Drake Jackson comes into a perfect situation. Yeah, let's let's think about this. So in year one for Bosa, who plays opposite him on the on the other end? Well, it's a combination of Eric Armstead and D Ford. And they were spectacular, spectacular on the opposite side. Uh, who plays opposite Nick Bosa early on in the season before he got hurt in, in 2020? Well, Kerry Hyder. Now, Kerry Hyder ended up doing good things once Bosa also got hurt and and had had a monster little season opposite him and also because of Chris Kosarek. Yep. And then last year, exactly. <laughs> and last year you had Ibakam who flashed a little here and there. Um, and then you had a bunch of other random guys out there, but they missed that D Ford speed and they missed that power from a guy opposite Nick Bosa, who's going to command a double team and is going to eat those double teams up. I'm hoping that this guy, maybe not early on, but by year's end can be a three down lineman to where he's not a liability in the run game and he can win one-on-one -on -one matchups on the edge versus secondary Defense, uh, offensive tackle. Like, that's what I'm looking at. You think Bosa's going to probably take one of those bigger assignments on. He kind of relishes those things. So uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this works. And then are they going to mix him up on the on the D-line? Are they going to throw him out there alongside Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead and then maybe run some stunts because of that speed or run him and Bosa right next to each other? I think he's going to be in a very advantageous spot here with the 49ers. Yeah, I, I totally agree here. And then a lot of people went crazy over third-round pick out of LSU to running back Tyrion Davis Price. Tyrion Davis Price, you know, it's funny. My guy, Big Dog City, my brother from another mother, was at the Florida LSU game down in Baton Rouge this past season. And this uh -huh. guy, Tyrion Davis Price, went crazy. And I think he scored six touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. He said, this guy's a load. They got a back dude. That's sick. And then the Niners take him, and everybody's going crazy. You know I had a man cross on James Cook. He goes in the mm -hmm. second round with Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. It's a great pick. The Buffalo Bills got James Cook. They got speed in the backfield, speed on the outside. They may average 40 points per game next year <laughs> on offense. I'm not even kidding here. But Tyrion Davis Price, and everybody said, oh, why are they taking another back? And we know the history of the 49ers are taking running backs under Kyle Shanahan. They've done it every single draft. Trey Sermon, third round pick from a year ago, didn't pick up the system. All right, you pivot, right, Shasky? If he doesn't pan out, we go get another guy. Well, this guy's a bell cow, and I've been begging for a bell cow. Elijah Mitchell last year banged up as a bell cow. We mm. remember the Philadelphia game. You even said it. Game was a little too physical for Elijah yeah. Mitchell. He did adjust later in the year. But Jamichael uh, uh, Hasty goes down. Jeff Wilson Jr. is always hurt. Good mm. running back, always hurt. Uh, Trey Sermon, not ready to go. They had to go to Debo Samuel to play running back because they had no option. So, I get the running back pick. A lot of people say, well, round three is a little high for this guy. But you know what? If you identify a guy and that's your guy, then go get your guy. I don't give a yeah. damn where you pick him. If that's your guy, go get your guy and coach him up. So for this pick, for me, this was the two things are equally true. Number one, if you are a run-based team, you should be drafting running backs all the time anyway, yeah. especially when they have an injury history, which is what the Niners have right now, an injury history at running back. Like, during the Shanahan era, they have had very few guys make it from week one to week 17. That's just a fact. Like, mm -hmm. guys get dinged up. It's the position so physical. So I look at it as, yeah, every year I'm drafting a running back. I have no problem with that. They need a physical bell cow. I love the LeGarrette Blunt types, the guys that yeah. can lean on people mm -hmm. late in games in fourth quarters when you're winning mm -hmm. and you want to go power football and just take the air out of it and win with a seven minute drive to close things out you need those bigger bodied backs right that's i believe in that philosophically secondarily i also believe the second truth which is 
Trey Sermon's just not that dude. And you know what? From a financial standpoint, I've always been a believer. You hear me? You know you make fun of me when it comes to the money. But when you have an investment that stinks, the worst thing you can do is clutch that investment and hope you can squeeze something out of it and it continues to lose you money. If you know that guy's just not good enough in your system, then, hey, cut bait now. Like, I have no problem with that. Like, if you made a mistake, that's fine. How long it takes for you to realize the mistake, that's the difference between good and bad investors yeah joe williams remember him Niners yes fourth round it, boom didn't work out we move on we move mm -hmm. on that quickly you and know, they the found Niners, Breida that year exactly matt Breida and the cheetah got a contract with miami because of the 49ers in this system and you think about it they want to wear dudes out like we just said they want to play physical football especially mm -hmm. in the postseason which they've been successful at uh in two to five years with kyle mm -hmm. shanahan they beat people up at the line of scrimmage this guy's a big dude, 6'1", 223, down in Louisiana. You can't be no punk running the football in the SEC. <laughs> no, all right? you cannot. I'm sorry. You well, can't be no sucker running between the tackles in the SEC. And this guy, Tyrion Davis-Price, he had the 287-yard day against Florida. I get their defense wasn't the same this past year, but he's had some moments down there at LSU. Well, and B, let's, let's call it what it is. You, you're referencing the USC coaching situation. It's not like Ed Orgeron was running no. a well-oiled machine this year. He <laughs> lost both of his coordinators. And that, listen, like, straight up, this that program was a disaster this year. Wow. So I think it's very easy to look at some of the game field, like, what's going on here? I think it's different. Look, at the Shanahan's have proven to me they get the benefit of the doubt at running back evaluations. The Trey Sermon thing, all right, they missed one. How many have they hit on, though? Like, you got to give them the earned equity, which I believe that they have because of their track record. So I'm going to lean in on this one. Let's see where it's yeah. at. I will be honest, though. They miss Raheem Mostert's bursting speed because oh, it's game-changing. I probably wouldn't have paid him either because of the injury history, but there was something dynamic about him being a home run hitter in that backfield, and that's an element that I think is really hard to replicate. Uh, you, you're spot on with the monster. They missed him, that home run hitter, which is why I was salivating for James Cook. If he yeah. slip in the third round, because they need a guy, and I get it. They tried it with Jarek McKinnon. He gets hurt uh, yeah. a week before the season opener against Minnesota in 2018. They needed a running back who can come out of the backfield and match up with the linebacker and just mm -hmm. cook them and be really good in space. Do they have that guy on the roster right now? I was hoping it was Trey Sermon. Maybe it is still Trey Sermon. Maybe he comes back from the offseason program and his offseason workouts, and he becomes a new dude. We'll see about that because they do need that back who could just take the top off the defense and hit you a home run. But speaking of home runs, this pick at 105 in the third round, Sony, uh, Danny Gray out of SMU. This kid looks like the real deal, Shasky. And we've been begging for a slot guy, right? They mm -hmm. tried Trent Taylor. Kendrick Bourne, I thought, was a good slot receiver, but not your prototypical slot guy. Mm -hmm. Because quick shifty, in space, uh, quick uh, quick area movement, wiggle. Richie James Jr. We thought Richie James Jr. could be that guy. Oh, that Packer game. game. <laughs> oh, man, we had that Packer game. That's <laughs> that nice. one COVID Packer game. That, that one post, I mean, we I had high hopes for Richie James Jr. <laughs> Danny Gray. This guy, Danny Gray, is that slot dude. He's a little bigger than advertised, 6'1", so he has some nice little height to him, 180 out of SMU, and we know SMU is just throwing the ball all over the yard. They're mm -hmm. throwing the ball all over the place. I'm kind of high hopes for this guy, Danny Gray, man. He looked good on tape. 
I'm gonna be very interested to see how big he really is. Because if you look at Ayuk and Debo Samuel, they're not the tallest guys. They're just not. Even though Ayuk's got really long arms, that's not like he's not a big bodied kind of a guy. So I'll be very interested to, to see him in person um, when we go to training camp and whatnot, because they do lack size. And I think that's what makes Jawan Jennings so unique as a third option for this team. But we clearly have seen in the NFL, which you referenced in the first segment, you got to have weapons. You got to have lots of them. And it's a very physically demanding position now in the NFL because you're running so many routes. You get a lot of deep muscle injuries. Guys come off. They get hit hard by linebackers now because of all the smoke screens and all the stuff underneath that this offense wants to do. Yeah, they need playmakers, like straight up. There's no doubt about it. I just always fall victim into thinking the next receiver they take is going to be special because I want <laughs> I want receivers to pop so bad on this team. And that going back to the Debo thing, that's why I wanted him so bad to stay a Niner because he's yeah. one of the few that has actually matured into the superstar we've all coveted. And, and, and you know what? Brandon Ayuk is on his way. He ascended yeah. in the last two months of uh, 2021. Brandon Ayu became a top playmaker first-round pick for the 49ers. And mm -hmm. here's what NFL analyst Len Zerline said about Danny Gray. He described him as a top playmaker for SMU in 2021 and shown an ability to work all three levels of the field. His long gliding strides separate from coverage on attack-oriented routes, but he has the bend and agility to become a quality target working underneath. So you have Debo working underneath. You have Ayuk mm -hmm. working underneath. You have Danny Gray working underneath alongside George Kittle. I don't want to put too much pressure on this rookie here, but alongside Jawan Jennings, he can learn a lot here. I think Danny Gray will get an opportunity in this offense to contribute right away. And you got to understand, if you're going to pay Debo Samuel that amount of money, you better have other wide receivers who don't make a whole lot so that you can have value in the margins. I believe Jennings signed a two-year extension this yeah. offseason. Mm -hmm. I think because he's drafted, you'll get, I think, three years of team control, if I'm not mistaken, right. um, of Gray. So you're going to have to find some value somewhere for dirt cheap. I'm hoping that this guy can be it. And to your point earlier, they've made a lot of splashes in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. Yep, they have. They have. They've done really well. Uh, they've got a couple other guys. Tariq Castro-Fields uh, played at Penn State. This guy, he looks the part, man. He fell all the way to the sixth round. Again, mm -hmm. the Niners have hit on these picks in the fifth and sixth round. This is a guy who made 30 starts at corner. So mm -hmm. can he play in the slot as a nickel back? By the way, the Niners bring it back Jason Verrett. Kind of I love that. I love that too. Alongside Emmanuel Mosley, you have a uh, Charvarius, Charvarius Ward. Ward. Charvarius Ward coming from Kansas City. K1 Williams is now a different Bronco. We're going to miss him. He was a really good 49er, but mm -hmm. obviously he lost a step last year in the postseason. I don't know if he was hurt or what, but he could not. Stay in yeah, they they beat him off the they beat they beat him off the hike over and over and over again, and I felt bad because he was a really good contributor for this team for a couple of years. Right off the snap, dude, just getting wiggled out by a Cooper Cup. So look, they've got some. I think the Niners safety is still something I'm looking at. Maybe they bring back Jakowski Tart. I have no idea. He still hasn't signed with anybody. I can see the Niners bringing him back for the cheap. We'll see about Hufanga here. But I think overall in the offseason. If the Niners stayed the same, which for the most part they have, and we're still awaiting Alex Mack, whether or not he's going to retire, hopefully Alex Mack comes back. I think the Niners right now, with Debo Samuel on the roster, are still a top four team in the NFC. And if you're a top four team in conference and you're playing in a divisional round, 
I'll take the Niners' style of football over anybody's in the month of January. I think they're well-positioned to make another deep run due to the draft that they had and the offseason that they had where they were selective and not spinning here and there. They still got the guys back. And still wait to see what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. But well, overall, I'm not complaining about this offseason. Yes, it was weird. Yes, it was trippy. Yeah, we had drama. But overall, I'm not mad at it. Well, they've made incremental gains. I mean, think about it. They're they're going to have a little more bolstered offense in, in yeah. terms of bringing the whole band back, plus some new weapons, the rookies that you mentioned. Um, let's see what happens with the center position. I believe since they didn't draft a center, it feels like to me Alex is coming back, but I don't know because the press conference made it seem like he was retiring. And then I look at the defense. They're better. They should be better, at least on paper. You know, to me, yes, you lose DJ Jones, who was really good. Yeah. I think Kinlaw's in for a bounce back. I'm going to be optimistic there. And I think you're going to get the best of Eric Armstead sliding mm -hmm. him to the inside and then having different guys work that outside end spot. You obviously upgraded the cornerback spot. It's about incremental gains. Let me throw a name at you who's okay. unsigned and is a free agent. I think is floating around there. What about this team bringing in after they can maybe consummate some sort of a release or trade of Jimmy G? What about getting Julio Jones? Who's just sitting there, just sitting there. Why not? What about another tight end? There are a lot of other players that are veterans who can help this team in situations like the red zone where no. we're not even thinking about them right now, but could be bargain bin values come July. You know, Julio Jones is a guy I've always fixated on because of the, you know, he's so familiar with Kyle Shanahan yes. and the system going back to Atlanta. He was banged up last year. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about big body wide receivers for the 49ers. They need a guy who can high point the football. Yeah. This is why we all went crazy over Jalen Hurd after one preseason game against Dallas because of the fade route he ran to that <laughs> left pylon in the end zone and he high pointed the football. We were like, wow, we haven't seen that since Bolden. We haven't really seen that since T.O. We haven't seen that in a long time in San Francisco. I wouldn't be mad at Julio Jones. I'm not going to lie to you. Would not be mad at him. August when guys are lingering around. That's and then what I'm saying. We say, hey, man, we're playing for a championship. How about you come out here, help mm -hmm. us get over the hump here. Our young guys can learn from you, Julio Jones. You're going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We want Debo and Brendan Ayuk to be Hall of Famers in second yep. title. Glad you brought that up. Austin Hooper, as soon as he went on, when he became a free agent, he got snatched up quickly. Yes. I Second tight end is, seems like a, a position of need for a long time. Ever since we had the tandem of uh, Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker. Yes. How beneficial was it to Vernon Davis to have Delaney oh. Walker as his second tight end and as a Swiss Army knife? The Niners do need a second tight end. Ross Joely, a nice player, but he just doesn't do no. enough for me, Jasper. No, come on. I would come love on. to see them go for a well, second tight end and kick the tires on Julio Jones. And, and like, just think about it. We kind of got robbed of seeing Jordan Reed and George Kittle play simultaneously. They were never healthy at the same time. And Jordan Reed, like, I know he retired, but, like, he was making plays for this team. That Jets right? game, he was dynamic. Heck, what's going on with Jordan Reed right now? You all right? The concussions? I mean, that's you know, what I'm saying. Dissipated? You well, like that, well, that's why I bring up Julio Jones. Not that he could play tight end per se, but just imagine having him and George Kill split out on the same side. Now you have physicality and you have mismatches. You want to go with the safety? 
fine. We'll body you. You want to go to the corner? We'll body you too. You know, you, you want to go to the linebacker? Well, we're just too fast for you. So I just think about red zone situations. How can this team be the most explosive, efficient version of itself? And to me, adding that 6'3 wide receiver or that backup tight end would totally help out this offense because we know they've got a schematic advantage with all of the other weapons in the run game and with Debo Samuel. It's just that high-pointing tight end wide receiver opposite of George Kittle opposite of Debo God that would just and maybe I'm asking too much maybe it's just too much dessert but I'd love to have that on this team and you know what the Niners may be that team that's in for those veterans I thought they'd make a play at the honey badger uh Tyron Matthew. yeah I did he too Saints. he would have been I, I would have liked them in the system I know a lot of people disagree said he wasn't a scheme fit man I feel like the honey badger could play in any scheme he's a yeah. football player he's a Doesn't ball Team. He's a baller. So uh, here we are with the 415ers podcast, a pilot episode with Joe Shasky, the Butcher, and Bonte Hill. Subscribe on the 415ers podcast feed. You can find that under the morning roast on 8570game.com or find us on the Odyssey app, the 415ers podcast. We're going to try to knock one of these out every single week of the offseason. And once we get into the season, we'll do it twice a week. And once we get into the season, there's going to be a lot of talk about Trey Lance, who for some yeah. reason – a lot of these experts think that Trey Lance ain't ready. Trey Lance ain't ready to play quarterback. Bring back Jimmy Garoppolo. Let me ask you this, Shafty. Because I see Niner fans starting to bring this up. And Niner Nick, we love yeah. Nick Newman. He's starting to condition himself in the brain saying, you know what? I wouldn't mind Jimmy as a backup. I think that would be detrimental to this locker room with Jimmy Garoppolo after this offseason, after talks of trading him, after the shoulder surgery that set back the 49ers offseason plan, which they couldn't trade him because of the shoulder. You cannot bring Jimmy back to training camp whatsoever. He cannot step foot on the field at Levi Stadium when training camp starts. Isn't this a toxic relationship? Like, and I think Jimmy's been a good soldier. I do. I really do think Jimmy's been a good soldier. Not that the Niners have done him wrong. I think they've done some things that they wish they could do back. Like, I do believe that. Like, everybody in any relationships got some ones that they would like to call back. But isn't this one of those things where, guys we're both kind of done with each other, right? Like right. that's that to me, allowing both parties to move on is the most healthy, logical yeah. solution to this. That's the way I would view this. Jimmy, you move on. We appreciate everything you've done. Why don't you get out of here, out of sight, out of mind. You have right. no worry about teammates clamoring or whispering. If Trey Lance throws a couple incomplete passes, Trey Lance fully empowered. Now, is there an argument to be said? Trey needs to earn the job in front of his teammates. All that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But we just saw the Peacock doc from Joe Montana and anybody who's a 49er <laughs> fan was watching that thing up and down. Yeah. And the great Steve Young, for crying out loud, who's a Hall of Famer, couldn't even get his own center in the middle of an MVP season to say that he was the better quarterback while the other guy, Montana, hadn't played for two years. Like, that's where this thing is. Now, I'm not saying Jimmy is Joe. That's sacrilegious. I'm nowhere near that. But my point being is that guys have loyalties. And in the back of their head, they're going to think irrationally in crazy-ass times. And so, yeah, I believe for both parties, the healthiest solution is to let everyone go and move on and sail away. I, I, I totally agree with everything you just said there. And I've been a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. You have. After he elected, you know, to get the surgery on his shoulder, he's not going to throw a football until mid-June. He even said mm. on Sirius XM a few weeks ago when he did a radio interview, which was rare, he, all of a sudden he's talking to media and whatnot. And he's like, you know, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to throw a football again. 
I'm, there's going to be limitations. We'll take your limited ass somewhere else, please. <laughs> I, I just, I just can't deal with it. It, it. it turned our relationship into a toxic relationship. Talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and discussing. <laughs> so my thing is, Shanahan did not like the guy. It should have moved off him three weeks, three years ago. But you have Trey Lance now. And what I saw from Trey Lance, we both saw it in training camp. The reports we saw in training camp, the composure he had in the Arizona game and his first start. Now to get an undefeated Arizona Cardinals team on the road. He had some ups and downs. He had some downs, but he had some ups. One thing he showed me was toughness, going at the goal line, going head up with safety. is not the smartest thing in the world, mm-hmm. but he showed mm-hmm. toughness. He showed moxie. And then in a game that nobody discusses enough because everyone wants to say, oh, it's the Houston Texans. Well, the Texans were playing better down the stretch. They were playing better down the stretch. And they said, you know what? This is our Super Bowl. Let's spoil the 49ers party and let's knock them out of the playoff mix. And then a had-to-have-it game. You don't win that game against Houston. You don't go to the playoffs. And you don't go to the NFC Championship game. Trey Lance in the second half, bounce back. Now, he was up and down in that game. I thought a little bit of Shanahan not doing him service with the play calling. A little bit of of it was Trey Lance in decision-making. He stepped up in the second half when the Niners needed mm-hmm. to, and they end up blowing out the Houston Texans. I am so hyped for Trey Lance because what? of what he has upstairs, the IQ. And I'm sure he's following away all the Matt Lombardos, the Pete Priscos, all the guys who are saying Trey Lance ain't ready. The coaching staff really doesn't want Trey Lance. I'm so juiced about this quarterback because I feel like, Chatsky, we finally have our Steve Young again. Only have our Joe Montana again. Now that's a lot of pressure. No, nah, he, he reminds me style of play more like John Elway, but I hear you. Keep going. No, 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 style of play. Yeah, John Elway, no doubt. I'm just saying in terms of greatness. I don't care mm-hmm. the style or whatnot, just being a great football player. I think Trey Lance can be that. And he has the size, he has the arm strength. I think he has the smarts to do I it. I think he has the emotional capability as well. To me, to no me. Doubt. The emotional, the one area that we can't quantify with Jimmy G, the emotional stability to be critiqued up and down by his head coach. I believe Trey has that in him. It's a quality that I don't think we discuss a lot about the unflappable nature of Jimmy G. If you wanted to look at his arm strength's not good. He's not mobile in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear all that. But to take the criticism from that coach, not a lot of guys can be Bill Belichick's quarterback. Not a lot of guys can be Bill Walsh's quarterback. Not a lot of guys can be Kyle Shanahan's quarterback. So I think emotional capability is another element that we don't discuss enough. Oh, it's huge. It's huge from the quarterback position. Think about Tom Brady. You think about uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You think about Josh Allen. Mm. You think about all these great quarterbacks. And the comp to John Elway, I think it's spot on. Although I think John Elway ran a little bit better outside he of the did, early. And yeah, Trey Lance, I think people forget John Elway was an athletic freak. This he guy, played center field for the Yankees. But I mean more like the 100-mile-an-hour fastball. The 100-mile-an-hour fastball was the hallmark of John Elway for a long time. Here's one thing that I do want to say, B. I think you and I, we put out a video in training camp last year, and I just – I'm so sick of the overanalyzation of things that are so obvious to me. I have been watching the 49er quarterback play for 40 years. Watch it with these two eyes. I've been to games my whole life. Bonte, has anyone been to more live 49er games that you talk to on a regular basis than myself? I'm not trying to give you my bona fides, but I'm just telling you, like, I've watched great 
and horrific quarterback play. And there are certain things that pop off on me. The physical gifts this guy has are in such a rarefied conversation in just the last 25 years. I don't think people really truly appreciate how big this guy is amongst a field of giants. Bonte, he's the size of a tight end or a D end. No, you know, Shasky, we got a lot of heat for that video. We go down to training camp. And we My get eyes there. don't lie. We got down there, and Trey Lance, they said that was the first time he'd been unleashed to run out of the pocket. <laughs> so he runs for like three first downs in his first five plays, right? Play's not there. Play's not there. Let me scamper out the pocket, mm-hmm. get a first down, and get out of bounds. And then the music got turned up on the loudspeakers. We start hearing "Part Me" by Future, and who who was Little Yachty? I don't even know who yeah. was on that song. It was a slap. I can't right? wait for training camp. I can't wait. You ready for the hats? It's driving me insane that I'm not going to be there the first two uh, weeks, right? I I, I was I'm, now I'm getting depressed. But look, we go out there to training camp. And Jimmy throws a pick six to Warren. First, he throws behind Mostert on the sideline, yes. almost gets picked off. Then he throws a pick six to uh, Fred Warner Jr. And he gets absolutely rattled. Rattled yeah. in front of everybody. It's like, oh my God, he's he's kind of like he's kind of pooping on himself right now. Yeah. yeah. In front of all the fans and everybody. And Trey Lance comes in. It's just a subtle five-step drop back, throws an out route to Ross Dwelly. I'm like, damn, hash marks DJ to the Jones. Outside, to the field, and then he just started throwing dimes. He started throwing dimes, and it was like, oh, my God. And you saw the reaction from the players. You saw the reaction mm, that's from the, the kids, and you saw that's the reaction the from some of the beat writers like, oh, this guy's coming. I still believe Trey Lance outplayed Jimmy Garoppolo in training camp. But those reps that he received down in San Diego, scrimmage in against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Those reps he received in the preseason, playing those two games, high-level games against the tough Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. and against the Texans and basically a playoff game for the 49ers. I'm telling you, our eyes don't lie. Our eyes no. don't lie. One thing we know, Shasky, is quarterbacks. Now, we're going to get some wrong. We're going to miss here. And Trey Lance, mm-hmm. he may be a bust. Well, it's up to him as well. No, I'm, I'm with you. Like, well, like Colin Kaepernick had a lot of talent, a lot of talent and things around him completely depreciated. And I do believe to some extent, not only did the organization fail him, I think that he didn't get better at a lot of the little subtleties that make elite quarterbacks, like touch, pocket awareness. I think at times the playbook, whether it changed too much or his comprehension level wasn't good enough, there wasn't enough synergy there for me. So uh, there's a lot of things that outside of skill and talent make you a really good quarterback because, you know, you look at Tom Brady and just physically, he's 6'5 and can throw. I think people underrate those two elements, but there's a lot of other things he does that you can't quantify in a book his brain is the most intelligent part of his body drew Brees' brain peyton manning's brain i'm talking about the greats even patrick mahomes for as goofy as his mechanics can get at times i mean he has a brilliant football brain where it does feel like the field slows down for him be very interested they say the number one jump you make is from your rookie year that off season into your second year i'm ready to see it but before we get out of here just just table the, the trey lansing because that's a discussion for all year what did you think when they announced that the San Francisco 49ers are playing November 21st down in Mexico, baby, against the Arizona Cardinals. So I had some friends send me round trip, round trip, uh, ticket prices to Mexico city and one way ticket prices. How much? Just a little over $300 for the one way ticket down to Mexico city. And I'm thinking, damn, it's November 21st. 
I would personally have to wait on that because of the Warriors season. If they did bring me back out, <laughs> NBC doesn't bring me back. Viva La Mexico, baby. We're going out of <laughs> Let's go. But if I am back with the Go to State Warriors, I'm not sure if I can go be a federale for a couple days down in Mexico <laughs> City. Now, I thought you were going with the Saloon Fox because Mexico, they'll take over Mexico and they'll yeah. be up on the covers on Monday Night Football down in Mexico. But the yeah. Saloon Fox is back. The Saloon oh Fox is all God. the way back. Something I've been we've been begging for. And three something we wanted to be in zones. Something we wanted yeah. on the jerseys. The 49ers are starting to finally listen to the fan base. Yeah. Saloon Fox, man. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I'm really excited. And before we end this podcast, I, I have to ask you one question, all right? Uh-oh. All right. Uh-oh. Now, you're not allowed to take a superstar, all right? I will not allow you to take a Hall of Famer, all right? You have a third and four. It's one catch to get the game going, get a first down, or put your team into a field goal position. You get all of the history of San Francisco 49er football. Who, and it doesn't even have to be the right answer, who is the guy in your head that you're envisioning makes this third and four catch? Bonte Hill, I'll start with you, and I'll tell you who mine is. So it can't be a Hall of Famer? It cannot be a Hall of Famer. It's got to be a obs- more obscure name than that. For example, I'll give right, you mine. Right. No, hold on, no, no, no. I, I got one. I got two, actually. I'm gonna all right. Here. Give me two. It's either John Taylor or Brent Jones. Oh, see, I'm going more obscure than you. I was going to go Mike Sherrard. I'm going Mike Wilson. (laughs) Mike Wilson, four-time Super Bowl champion, number 85. That's who I'm going with. Look them up, folks. 1980s. We're going three stripes uh, uh, saloon font. Give me Mike Wilson with that first down. You got to love that, Monte. I do love that number eighty-five man. He he was a baller. I do that is that is a little obscure. Greg Clark is that obscure? Greg Clark can get you a third and four catch. That's not bad. I thought you were honestly. I thought you were going to go Freddie Solomon on me. Thought you were going to go eighty-eight. No. But uh, I, I'm not mad at that. I'm not. Yeah, mad. I do love John, John Taylor. Taylor. John Taylor's a forty-nine-er Hall of Famer. Uh, Give me obscure. Like I mean, I'll even accept yeah. Arnez Battle. Yeah, Arnez Battle. Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> How about that? How about Kendrick Bourne? I like that. I like that's a good call. I, I'm you know, rooting for made a lot of good first down. So he had, he made a lot of plays for the 49ers. So um a lot of fun, man. Look, the 415ers podcast will be around all year long. And as long as they continue to plug us with this yes. podcast for 415ers, thanks to Mark Grandy producing this bad boy. Yeah, got Mark Grandy out of bed to do this. We're getting him out yeah. of bed. Mark Grandy don't wake up until noon. All right. Yeah. He's got to produce a David and Rattle show at three o'clock. He usually wakes up around noon. Gets to the and he's so young. He does his thing. He's so young. He was probably going to come in with, I think it's Trent Taylor, fellas. <laughs> and he's so young, too. He's probably a Dylan Brooks fan because he went to Oregon. Oh, oh no, no, oh, Mark. Don't Grandy. please not now. Not now. Dylan. Subscribe to the 415ers <laughs> podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, yeah. Apple, you name it. Click subscribe, rate and review. It helps us out. Support us, yo. Let's go. Yeah, we'll have some special guests in the future. We've already yeah. working on that. We have some bloggers, podcasters, and even some players who may chime in on a Form One Fibers podcast. That's it for us. It's Joe Shatsky, the Butcher. It's Bonte Hill. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the Form One Fibers podcast. If not, we'll see you on the morning roast from six to nine every single day, Monday through Friday on ninety-five seven. Again.